Squad people, I'm DA, waxed, backs, and running these streets, and welcome to Millennial Edition. Thanks for joining us. As we know that the pandemic has had a profound impact on the financial lives of millennials, our team wanted to take time to feature and highlight the all-star millennials who are powering through and overcoming the odds. In this episode, we will be speaking with my stylist, Ashley Burnett of Iris Garden, and she will detail how she built her business from the ground up and discuss the impacts of COVID on her business this last year and provide any tips and advice to other millennials in business or those who are considering starting their own. As always, remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter to be a part of the discussion. Okay, so let's dive right in. Ashley, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak with us today. Thanks for having me, Millennial. Yay, I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. So tell me, at what age did you start doing hair? I was 10. I became a stylist for myself at 10. I remember it was over Christmas break, actually. My mom would do me and my sister's hair, and I'm the oldest, so I would go last. And what she would do is get my two sisters done, and I either think she forgot about me or <laughs> she was just tired. We right. Had so much hair as young girls. So I, I feel you. Yeah, I went in the bathroom one time, locked the door with the relaxer, and it was Christmas break. I said, I have to get my hair done. So I did it myself. And after that, that was my job. Oh, I love that. I love that. So what inspired you to move in the direction of style and beauty? I transferred high schools and the second high school I went to, my 11th grade year, I chose cosmetology as an elective and I never looked back. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so tell us about your journey from working under a large salon after becoming licensed to becoming a business owner and working as a stylist independently. That was the best time. That was like the climb of my career, right? So it was funny. I actually started working for my mom's current stylist at that time as an assistant. And he was an amazing teacher, an amazing stylist. I only assisted him for one month before I got my own chair across from him. What was his name? Charles. Charles. Yes, Charles in Virginia. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. So after working with Charles and, you know, establishing myself in my own chair, my journey continued into Maryland. I moved there, rented a booth for 125, started getting a little more contracted in. I love it. And you can't get 125 anywhere now. But what is 125? The booth rent. You know, what do you pay for your space to build your business? Sure. So I had my share of salons in Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, I, I can't even imagine right now. So how many years did it take you to get to where you are now as an independent stylist and business owner? So from that point, it took me three years. I jumped and went to Maryland and I signed a contract for my own space three wow. years after getting my license. You're badass, that's phenomenal. Thank you. So outside of Charles, um, did you have any other mentors to inspire you along the way? Yes, I actually did. Two that come to mind at the moment. You can have so many mentors, but sure. the ones that I went after for myself that I knew I needed, Delise Harris of Virginia, she taught me a lot of the styling, the mm -hmm. fundamentals of 
you know, hair and products. And then coming to Georgia, I met a wonderful mentor named Kayona. Um, she's also from Maryland, but we connected in Georgia. So she pretty much gave me the polish. She told me how I need to just clean things up, you know, and I asked both of them for their mentorship and they both said yes. Um, there, I can speak <laughs> for, that's amazing. I, I, I know Kayona. Yeah. Um, she originally was my stylist. Well, that is how we met. Yes. She is bad ass. She's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So what are some of the struggles you have encountered along the way as a small business owner? Struggles. I like to look at struggles maybe more of transitions because they're okay. uncomfortable, right? Right. And it's just uncomfortable. So I'll say rebuilding a clientele when you're moving in between, you know, states or you're going to different salons. It may be a time period where you have to like just sit in silence and wait for that number one client to come sure. in or number two client to come in or number three. And it can be a slow process. I normally would take anywhere between three to six months to build a full clientele when I transition. So that was a struggle. Okay. Yeah, yeah for sure. Which which brings us, so let's talk about COVID. Yeah. We know from the statistics that last year and maybe still even this year, that COVID had a disproportionate effect, particularly on the black and brown community. And this is not just the effects of the virus itself. It had a profound impact on small businesses. Allure magazine published an article about the effects of COVID specifically on black hairstylists. And in this article, the different stylists discussed some of the impacts of COVID, many of whom had their studios closed for months, and some who moved to working on clients out of their own homes. You obviously are a beautiful black woman stylist whose clientele is largely from the black community. Can you discuss the impact that COVID has had on your business and are you still experiencing any of those impacts today? Well, COVID shut me down for six weeks total. In the beginning of those six weeks, I enjoyed my break, to be honest. Okay. It was like, a, it was like, okay. like for a minute. Yeah, it was like, okay, let's just reset, you know, and take everything in and really understand what's going on because it was happening week by week, play out, right? Sure. So um, the first couple of weeks, I just relaxed, you know, but as the weeks grew, sure. I had to mentally adjust. Were you scared? No, I wasn't scared. I think I was just getting comfortable. You okay, know? what is that? You were enjoying being at home? <laughs> yes, when you have a fast-paced salon, like, you'll take any break. But um, I began studying more, collecting books, you know, reading. I also wanted to start getting into different things, seeing sure. if there was something else I needed to do. But I was also on the verge of becoming a mobile stylist. And currently, my stop, my salon is back to 80% volume. Okay, so you are back, like, almost where you probably were pre-pandemic. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's excellent. So tell me, is there a difference or a distinction on being a stylist in and from the Black community? So the distinction would be hair texture. If there's a difference, I would definitely say it would be product approach mainly when it comes to the textures of what our does hair. That mean? 
So we use products for natural hair, you sure. know, and I do believe that all hair is the same. It's just a texture thing. You have curly, wavy, straight. That's the only difference in hair. It's really not a color thing, you know? Right. Yeah. So. Or like, is it different like with races or ethnicities, do you think? I personally do not believe that, but you know, because you can have different races with the same textures as you and I. Sure. You know, it's just, it could be. That's very true. Yeah. So it's just how products are applied to the hair mainly. So in an article published last March, the Huffington Post discussed how segregation is still alive and well in the beauty industry and argues that cosmetology schools do not train all stylists in all types of hair care, which as a result relegates certain communities to go to certain stylists in order to get those services. What are your thoughts on this claim? Well, cosmetology for me, when I was in school, I will say they just focused on the fundamentals of hair. They showed you the one, two, three steps and they allowed you room to grow and be creative and be the artist. So I would like to believe this is for stylists, again, to decide where they want to become more creative at in areas that they can truly express their artistic skill. What do you believe the world should know about the art of styling hair? Heavy is the crown. I love that. <laughs> what does that mean to you? As far as you'll have an individual come in and, you know, she can wear herself in her hair. And then at the end of it, you really want to give her the hair design or the hair maintenance or whatever she needs to go keep going along her journey. So heavy is the crown because once you connect with someone, it's like, what does she need up top, you know? And... I look at hair as a crown. I love that so much. So what are your fundamental philosophies that guide you as you perform your art on a client's hair? Ooh, that's good. Um, I'll, so the fundamentals, I'm definitely going to start with tranquility because once that that's established in my salon setting, I kind of can go for, you know, the beauty within the person as well without. So I really get in the, if you will, vibe of me and the client's sure. interaction and I allow that to pull out, you know, whatever I need to do for them in that service. What advice would you give to other stylists in your profession or maybe to those who are small business owners like you? That would be to turn your art into a business. You have a silent team behind you, like a CPA, an attorney, a personal assistant, an up-to-date merchant account, example like Square. So you can stay up-to-date with the current times that we're in and then keep pushing yourself to conquer all your challenges and it's growth from there. I love that. What is the best way for all communities to support small businesses and what services should the federal government provide, especially for those who might still be struggling from the pandemic the best way for you to support you know your local businesses um, in the area is definitely to get out and at least spend twenty dollars a day or go in and buy a service or promote or market them even if you aren't sitting in their chairs or you're not buying things from them um, and the federal government you know they they're providing funding so sure. if you don't know you should definitely go check to see go to your local banks um, definitely credit unions sure are yeah. really good so if you're struggling you know, don't stay in the struggle. Just know that it's a transition again and find the resources for you because they're there. 
So Ashley, I'm just going to give you kind of the last word. I have so enjoyed our conversation. I can talk to you for hours and hours on end. Let us know what we should know. Yes. Well, first I want to say thank you, Millennial, for this platform for us to just connect and talk to the world. But speaking to the world, I want to let you know if you see yourself doing something that you can be a service to others and you believe you can do it, it is already done. It's the discipline that really applies to creating the motivation that you need. So be disciplined, be motivated, don't give up. Don't listen to anyone around you but yourself. Keep going. I think that is wise millennial advice. I love that. Thank you so much for taking time out of your really busy schedule to speak with us today. And can you confirm where our audience can find your salon and more information about your services you provide? Yes, thank you. So I'm located in Roswell, Georgia. Um, the salon website is www.irisgardensalon.com. Thank you. I love that. And thanks for joining us for this episode of Millennial Edition. If you haven't already, get facts that Delta variant is no joke. And I look forward to engaging with you all soon.